0: And now with 100% less Juggalo references, it's V'ger, please. A voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. Hey, I'm Peter. I know that we're out of your comfort zone now without ICP in here with us. With about a bunch of psycho space clowns to make jokes about the Riddle Box album. But I'm hoping you can stick with me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and convince the internet you're Juggalo, Peter, and I'm never going to stop. You? You'd. You do what you got to do to sleep at night, Joe. <laughs> uh, I'm just envious of your knowledge,
1: man. I was going to say jealousy c- is, is bleeding through heavily here. My knowledge of the Juggali uh, has paid off in the past. <laughs> I regret nothing.
0: That's good. What I don't regret is how much I've enjoyed the podcast. It's it, we're, we're closing in on the end of season two here. And it's really been fun to watch our viewership just slowly grow uh we had our uh uh our uh Berlin uh listener check yes. in on yep. the support group yeah they think she appreciated the shout out
1: oh I didn't see that did, did she send us a message directly or was that on just like right in the group
0: yeah she was just in the group but she commented like a, you know uh hello from Berlin you know so she listened she oh, heard us good we've made and some uh, strong allies along the way i'm sure if you've listed this show for the 40 plus episodes we've done if you count the live streams we always appreciate people sharing reviewing do whatever uh this that they can do to spread the word someone uh probably just recently saw that and joined and became a listener and it adds to the suffering family so help are yourself
1: we at, are we at 40 episodes
0: now Yeah, well, uh, this is going to be our 39th normal episode, uh, but we did the two live streams. Anybody
1: who's been listening to us from the beginning, I want you to let it sink in for a fact. You've been with us for a full work week. It's a 40 hour work week. Think about it. If you were a member of Voyager and the amount of time you've spent listening to us, you've probably gone through one, if not two disasters while at work.
0: We've yeah, been. there's been at least one ship imperiling event that has occurred. You know, something that would kill you if it goes poorly. Yeah, I got a turning point. I think I've hit here, Joe.
1: Um, I like Voyager. And oh uh, fuck! You know, we've we put oh a lot no, of, we've put a lot of time into this, and you know, there's certainly a cornucopia of shitty episodes. Like last week with the no, it's two weeks ago with the fucking Charles in charge. But uh, it's not a it's not a bad it's not a bad TV show, and it's not bad Star Trek. And you know, for being two seasons in at this point, I think they've uh, they've hit some pretty good sci fi strides. And uh, I look forward to watching my episodes each week and taking my notes, and especially getting on here and discussing it with you and everybody else who pipes up in the um, the support group and some of our other communication outlets.
0: I completely agree that uh, part of what I've enjoyed. Uh, The most is discussing it with everybody that's listening along with us Um, hard. You know, I've probably spent close to 150 hours editing pot, all 40 podcasts at this point. And it's been worth it just to be able to have that interaction. Yes. I'm looking forward to continuing to do the show, which is like the best part of where we're at at this point. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to season three. Like, I can't fucking wait to do this shit.
1: Full disclosure, too, for anybody listening at home, Joe does all the editing on these. I don't do anything. It's a free ride on me. So uh round of applause to Joe for footing the, the time bill and putting out this show every week, week in, week out.
0: <clears throat> hey, I appreciate it. You know, I do not have the uh, extra uh, distraction of raising a child that you do. So I'll raise the podcast baby instead. While you're, you know, or raise an actual baby pod seems baby. fair yeah besides I conned you into doing this the least I can do is you know hatchet the the words uh, together in a somewhat amateurish fashion and, and fart it onto the internet for an hour a week
1: I want to point seems out fair I want to point out you're the one who said hatchet not me hatchet's a juggalo term I'm, I'm just
0: oh you're yeah you're the juggle yeah okay all
1: right man so, we got a big one we got to get the ball rolling on this we got season two episode 24 2 vix which I think uh, we've both been waiting for for a while
0: now, and this is a big this is a big deal episode. It absolutely is. I would say among the Voyagers episodes, this is probably for Trek nerds. uh, The most controversial deep take discussion point I've ever seen, and this goes back long before the Internet was the huge focal point of Star Trek fandom. I remember this being bfd when i was in college and part of the star trek club at college in my college yes that was a
1: thing you know again not being a a voyager first time uh watcher when they came out a lot of the stuff was new but i've seen tuvix memes and and serious stuff floating around for a while and i was really interested in how it achieved that kind of infamy that status and i would say that it has all been well-deserved.
0: It has one of the, the most uh, unexpected 11 minutes of Star Trek. Um, I, I think we'll recount the episode up to that point with a degree of our usual shits and fucks and kicks to the Voyager groin where appropriate, uh, but that'll last 11 minutes. I got takes. I'm sure you got takes. And strap yourselves in, ladies and gentlemen, because this is going to get nerdy as fuck up here. There's going to be beards protruding from our necks <laughs> instantaneously. Mm. Every vagina within the sound of our voice will dry like the Sahara. <laughs> it's going to be bad, but that's okay, because that's what you're here for.
1: So we start off on a lush soundstage studio of uh, plastic plants and very bright set lighting to Tuvok and Neelix out on what appears to be another geological survey. Um, I wonder if it's dawned on Tuvok yet that whenever he goes out with a member of the bridge crew, his shuttle, everybody's going to survive. No one's going to be shaken, baked to death like uh, poor Ensign Bennett did in uh, (laughs) Tuvok in charge. But when he's with, God forbid, there's someone in there who does not have a seat on the bridge. You better have that body bag field generator ready to go.
0: Yeah, or, you know, maybe Smoldering Catcher Mitt guy could probably make it. Yeah, he's 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 on screen enough. Mm -hmm. You know, Hogan probably would survive at this point. We've we've gotten to know him enough. Yeah, Uh, he's not like Fred Durst, the one shot wonder who immediately has his face ripped off. To be fair, that's all I need. Like Bennett, you, you never knew. And,
1: and some of these other guys, they just march them out. And it's like, I don't I could care less. The guy who blew up in uh, the alliances episode who caught a console to the face. But if you give me at least that one episode wind up, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that. Oh, no, it was that guy. That's all I need. But so you got Tuvok Neelix down there looking at uh, flowers. And we found already that Tuvok is a ravenous uh, botanist who. Uh, has a real thing for special hybrid species and even Neelix. So this is this is a kind of a, a neat bonding potential moment for them uh, being down, both of them indulging in a shared passion.
0: Yeah, it, unfortunately, at least unfortunately for Tuvok, he's, uh, he's not having a good time. He's not having a good time because he's he's there with Neelix, who's annoying as fuck. And need I remind everybody? Tuvok has a special holodeck murder program specifically for expressing his rage, his homicidal rage at the filthy space cat. We've seen it. He had it. He's, he's killed Neelix in, in virtual form with his bare hands in the past. And we're getting a taste as to why that
1: might be the case. Yeah. It's like a, it's funny you mention it that way. He's got like a, it's like a choke simulator. Yes. <laughs> like that's yes. maybe that's Tuvok's kink as you know, he doesn't always want every time he's touching your neck. It's not to just knock you out. Sometimes he just wants to, you know, choke someone out while they call him daddy. <laughs> that's two things about Tuvok. You know, he is someone's father and he likes choking people.
0: You it's know, true. Connect your own dots. It's true. And boy, does Neelix do everything in his power to... Uh, really get choked. Uh, starts singing Vulcan funeral dirges and tries to get Tuvok in the spirit. He does everything but like stick his finger in his mouth again <laughs> to get him to smile. I yeah. want to
1: I want to put something on the table for you to consider. We've talked before that Neelix is really like a sleeper terrorist who's just, you know, undermining yes. Voyager with what would appear to be simple buffoonery. What, yes, what if he's so. not actually the terrorist that we've painted him to be? What if he is just a master grade troll and he sees that this uptight Starfleet starship out of place on this desperate attempt to get home is like the ultimate opportunity for him to just see how far he could push his luck and piss people off.
0: Talaxia is basically an intergalactic 4chan. He looks you know? like a fucking troll. I mean, even the treasure <laughs> troll here, like, yeah. I
1: I think this might be our new working theory for what is Neelix's problem. And if you stop and say, "All right, this guy is doing all this to intentionally troll people," I think it adds a really wonderful depth to the character. You're like, "Why the fuck is he doing?" Like, this guy is just intentionally pissing people off just to piss them off. I like it. I think it fits.
0: (laughs) I uh, gotta admit that uh, that certainly matches his appearance. I like this head cannon. did you well, also? Let's book it for now. Let's, did, let's put that on the shelf. Did you also notice uh, Tuvok's got one of those like terrible
1: uh, circular plastic duffel bags, things that he's collecting the flowers in that looks just like a cat carrier? Like when people go to the airport and they got to jam their cat in there so it doesn't get out. Do you think that's what he put Neelix in before they beam down to the surface?
0: I think it's he wants to stuff them in there before they go back, but before he gets a chance to. Engage in his inner Jeffrey Dahmer slash sexual <laughs> deviancy. Uh, they decide that it's time to uh, head back up to the ship with this uh, orchid that they have secured that could potentially be a, a nutrition source. And uh, they do do a quick cut up to Voyager, where they are uh, checking the transporter to to make sure that it's not broken. Apparently, there was a some. Some issue with the uh, the array that scans molecular. Yeah, some doohickey, some technological doohickey. Ensign Kim basically takes a wrench and tightens it up and says, they're good to go. Let's beam them up. Let's hold on a second. So
1: because I kind of glossed over this, the problem was with the transporter system, before they even be, because yeah, they're, they're doing diagnostics. And when it was a, like, Hey, we're having issues tracking them or we had a specific event following their beam down.
0: They never specified what caused the issue. Just that there was a bit of an issue and Ensign Kim was fixing it. Okay. He fixes the issue and they, they let the away team know they're beaming him up. And curiously as Hogan does the beam up, it's only one person, not two. And he says, I I don't have either of them. I've got someone else and I have to take them because at this point they're mid-transport. I can't send them back down. And who should materialize on the pad but a very awkward looking combination of Neelix and Tuvok. Right down to his uniform, actually. It's like a combination of Neelix's Discount African King shit and a Starfleet uniform.
1: It's a very jarring scene because you see exactly what they're going for. The makeup's on point. This thing looks horrific. Like we've talked before. Talaxians, if it was portrayed in any way other than the bumbling, good-hearted, jolly, you know, Neelix and the other kind of, you know, off-the-wall Talaxians we've seen, if you would put him in a basement hiding under the stairs, like hunched over— peeking at you through like floorboards or whatever talaxians are nightmare fuel and i would say this tuvix amalgamation with the goofy wisps of hair somehow looks even more horrific than than the you know neelix normally does so it's a very glad you brought up the
0: hair Uh, the The hair on this guy is disgusting oh it's awful so the way he looks, I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have seen at least a picture of Tuvix, who this is, obviously is, and he's kind of got like the the a bit of the Tlaxian face ridges. Uh, you know, there's the Vulcan ears. Uh, the actor playing him has is either himself African American or has had his his skin darkened enough that he appears to be. It's Tom Wright. He's African American. The, the real. Peace Dollar Resistance is the hair in the back is like the worst white trash ponytail, balding ponytail slash uh, you know, uh like trucker hair that you've ever seen. It's real fucking nasty back there. It looks like armpit hair. It does. It looks like, like really long armpit hair. Mangy
1: armpit hair wisped up and then down in this weird like dr seuss creature couldn't you know made flesh and i'm not saying that this actor is ugly tom right is you know nice looking dude or whatever this is just pure special effects um and what i also thought was very interesting you know okay so yeah they they he's got this weird hybrid uniform which is stupid but i thought it was neat did you see how the shoulder coloring, which, uh, you know, is supposed to be gold to match two Vox um, uniform that gets its yellow tone from a rose print over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed the flower motif on it at this point.
1: So you cut back over to Kim and Hogan, who have both magically, uh, I'm sorry, it's just Kim, has magically materialized this type two phaser and he is pointing it at this monster that's standing where his friend should be. And
0: uh, here comes the first commercial break. They skip any kind of B plot situation. They completely focus in on this. And the the scene moves from this point to to sick bay as whoever this is establishes that uh, uh, he is confused as to why he exists he seems to understand it's not a good thing, and they go to sick bay to ascertain what has happened. It's clear to everybody this looks like a combination of Tuvok and Neelix physically. How it's possible that this has occurred, they haven't determined yet. But they start to piece it together with the doctor's assistance that somehow, some way. The transporter has recombined the DNA of Tuvok and Neelix into a single person. There's no seems to be any like medical side effect. He's not like been Cronenberg, as my wife pointed out to use the, the Rick and Morty, you know, reference to David Cronenberg movies like he's well integrated. He's a functional person and he's not unstable. He's not going to like collapse into jelly but he shouldn't be able to exist. It's not just
1: their physical characteristics that have melded in Tuvix, as he goes on to explain. He has the full knowledge of both Tuvok and Neelix, and he has this perfect amalgamation of the both of them. And as he's explaining this, you see that there is security all over sickbay, And look at all of the Voyager episodes that we've seen previous, where you've got kazon warlords walking through the ship and some other very dangerous individuals that have been welcomed on um the vidian for one mm-hmm. the space oh, yeah. put next to the warp core and here you've got a guy who is uh, a transporter accident between two of your you know most uh respected crew members and there are like four or five security people in there. It's, it's more than you've ever seen before so it's kind of overboard. The vibe that Janeway's laying down like it's kind of disdainful at first, but
0: yes, yes, it is right off the bat. She is sort of othering him in a very obvious way that was started the seeds of where my hot takes are going to take off from later.
1: This episode. It's not. It's a different kind of Star Trek. I want to say that this is is a situation where they had a story that they wanted to tell. And I think that they put enough science on the table to try and explain it away. Ultimately, you'll find out that the uh, whatever the orchard that they had collected on the surface has a weird genetic property where it, instead of reproducing normally, it binds with other organisms, kind of like the Asari in um, Mass Effect.
0: Yep, exactly like that.
1: And because it was there during transport, it just blended all three of them together into this one thing. And like you said, it's it's perfectly cognizant. there's no side effects. It's not a pile of twitching goo. Even the perfect artistic blend of their clothing going together. this isn't really a science accident. This is an act of magic, essentially. And it doesn't bother me. you know this is like a cue event really. It doesn't they bother
0: do a, me. They, they, they do a good job with the technobabble, such that I buy it. I buy the explanation. The whole symbiogenesis—they were all broken down to atoms, and so it just had this weird recombination effect. And throughout the episode, I felt like the technobabble was at the right level that it explained what was going on enough without going like using it as the wave of the magic wand. And it worked for me. It's there. It's enough.
1: I still think that it's such a preposterous event that, again, we've moved beyond a scientific thing into what has to be space magic. And I'm not saying that to shit on the episode. I'm saying it to the strength of the episode is that they have really, like I said, they've pulled a Q-level event here to tell this story. And the story, I think, ultimately was worth telling and swallowing that pill of disbelief. Uh, But out of all the Star Trek things we've seen so far, like this is really... I think an outlier as far as fucked up goes.
0: I would agree with you as we, we get further through the episode. Um, Tuvok, sorry, Tuvix uh, (laughs) awkwardly flirts with Kess, who's finding this all very difficult to deal with and settles on the name Tuvix. I'm going to stop you right there. My wife's, playing on her
1: phone on the couch next to me, not watching this at all. And he goes, you know, he pitches first. He's like, "Uh, call me uh, Nevok or something. And Cass is like, ooh. And he's like, no, this is better. How about two Vicks? And my wife's like, did he just say he's got two dicks? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, from that point forward, I couldn't hear the word two Vicks at all. From that point forward, his name, as far as he introduces to anybody. And we don't really know anything about Neelix. I've seen some very some very disturbing things in that Star Trek ship posting group as far as, like, raunchy fan art or whatever, uh, speculating what's going on with Neelix below the belt. So I don't know, maybe Two Dicks isn't, isn't completely wrong, but uh, I also want to go ahead and throw in here, because I've been sitting on this one for a while, Tuvok, his name just rhymes too easily with other things, and maybe that's how we ended up with this Tuvix merger episode. Tuvak Tupac <laughs> I connected the dots one night and I said I wonder and I searched Tuvok Tupac and I was delighted by some of the best cosplay I have ever seen on the internet so if you got some time tonight after you're done listening to this podcast go ahead and search it out and just see what some very creative people out there have portrayed as the chief of security as being uh, a true a true G.
0: Well, I, not to spoil what is to come, but there's an episode where, where Tuvok gets to cosplay himself in a, shall we say, Star Trek appropriate outfit that is reminiscent of uh, the very namesake that you're, uh, you're suggesting that he should uh, pattern himself after. So, sometimes your your fiction becomes reality my friend i look forward to it so yeah
1: two is talking to kes and trying to hash out and, and, and help her understand that even though essentially her boyfriend and her mentor because keep in mind tuvok and kes have this uh telepathy mentor student thing going on right
0: that is correct even though uh kes once boiled tuvok's blood Spoiled his brain. <laughs> oh, Deb fucking killed him as far as I'm concerned.
1: Uh, but both of these people represent very important parts of her life. And they've both been for all intents and purposes killed in action. And now you've got this other guy here who has full memory of him and is very clearly carrying emotional baggage from one potentially, if not both. Uh, and is trying to kind of explain himself in, in what he is and where he is Kind of hopes things go, and I think this is where you really start seeing this, uh, uh this Tom Wright's performance come through. And I think this guy nails it right on the head—the perfect blend of Neelix's animation and Tuvok's vocal, and um, yeah, Tuvok's vocal inflection. And for being what could have been a very silly mashup character, taking parts of two separate things and making something that's unique but still clearly identifiable
0: yeah you can kind of see when he's leaning on the neelix side and when he's leaning on the tuvok side and he seems to do so depending on who he's dealing with or what he's dealing with like when he said tactical or what have you but uh, i agree he he's a much more compelling character than either of the characters that he is replacing and it's a very because of that it's a very fluid
1: uh flow between between the one character and the other character and he he doesn't really hit the extreme of either uh, but he plays in the middle and it just it's a strong and it's a very interesting performance to watch you know as someone who has been watching both of these characters uh, once a week for the past you know however many months here so pretty cool stuff
0: so tuvix ultimately asks essentially to go back to work and Janeway is hesitant at first. Takes him instead to a, a staff meeting where they they sort out what we've talked about has happened to him. They they walk through logically uh, what could have caused the the, the issue. After they ruled out equipment failure, and and hit on the uh, symbiogenesis issue with the orchids having combined the two of them. And it's again, it's good techno babble. They conclude the meeting with trying to figure out a way if they can separate the two of them again if there is some way to do so. Meanwhile, you know, Tuvix wants something to do, and he walks with with Kess to go to the mess hall because something that he remembers from Neelix's memories is making crepes for Kess every Wednesday. And he goes they, they go into the mess hall. and there we see, a- Dozens of Starfleet officers and crewmen, apparently completely fucking helpless. To make themselves food. They're standing around the hobo kitchen. Everything's on fire. Fucking Hogan's standing there with some, like, taco shells in his hands. (laughs) Like, I don't know what the fuck to do with these things. Like, these enlightened scientists who run warp cores and sensor arrays and load torpedoes apparently can't handle making a fucking soup or grilled cheese sandwich for themselves. And it takes a fucking committee and they're all fucking it up.
1: I would say it makes sense. You know, if you live in a world with replicators, is cooking really a skill that, you know, is getting passed down generation to generation at that point? And I think the answer is no, probably not.
0: And I don't think so. I mean, consider in TNG how often uh, they, you know, they talk about cooking and it's like something that some people do consider a pastime. It's not a completely dead like art or anything like that. Well,
1: I mean, that's flagship. Those are more enlightened people. I think half the people in that kitchen were formerly, you know, terrorists.
0: You can't convince me that somehow these people with these super scientist abilities wouldn't have the capacity to quickly just like look up in the fucking Starfleet Wikipedia. How do I make a goddamn sandwich for myself? How, how do I make some mashed fucking potatoes? I can figure that shit out with my fucking smartphone. These people have, you know, 24th century, like, sh- you know, pads and shit. that can yeah. Narrate it to them as they do it step by step. Give me a
1: fucking break. They're also in Neelix's odds and end hobo kitchen. I'm guessing they and everything isn't easily identifiable as potatoes and, and milk and butter. I mean. Neelix has some pretty weird stuff in there that he's making these nasty dishes out of. But So Tuvix gets in there and kicks everybody the fuck out. And Hogan tries to stun on him. Hogan's like, uh, whose authority are you kicking us out on? He's like, head of security, chief chef, take your pick, just get the fuck out.
0: And it's kind of where he starts to establish his personality. Like his independent personality. He He gets dinner done. He makes the crepes. They're better than Neelix's essentially, because mm-hmm. he's balanced out some of Neelix's contradictions with a little bit more logic. He's re- reorganizing the kitchen and talking about how he doesn't understand how Neelix ever organized anything in there. And meanwhile, Kess is still really unsteady with him.
1: She's and warming tu- up
0: quick, though. But when she warms up, then this is what I thought was interesting. Tuvix's main character flaw is that he doesn't know how where the brakes are. In his approach, in his approach vector. Cause he keeps getting handsy with her and really forward, and she is clearly uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, but that's Neelix though, man. And and this right now is like prime he's in the kitchen, he's with his old girlfriend, he's been through a traumatic event. He really, really wants that emotional companionship, and it's there and it's close, but it's it's unobtainable right now. So I agree. He gets a little too handsy too quick. And when we're saying handsy, like hands on hands, right? It's not like he's over there trying to dry humper or whatever. Uh, but it's like he kind of got this false confidence because once he got in there, and started laying down the lawn, in the kitchen and made a really good dinner. There started being this connection. And like I said, Cass started warming up to him as a person, not as a lover, and I think he kind of misread that. Well, I don't know. Maybe he was just encouraged and, and went a little too fast for his own good. But uh, it gets bumpy and they, they go part their own ways for the rest of the
0: night. Uh, Tuvix goes back to work and ultimately the doctor summons everyone back down to sick bay and says, listen, uh, separating Tuvix out again would be like trying to separate the flour, sugar, eggs, and butter after you've baked the cake. Every time we've tried it with the orchids, it's completely collapsed. Their cellular structure. And he flat out says it could take weeks, months, or even years if it's ever possible. Uh, But you're going to be two Vicks, you know, for the foreseeable future. And that's the way it is. So they set the expectation of like, this is the way things are going to be for at least a while. And Tuvix starts to reintegrate himself with the idea of being part of the crew. And in the course of that, he goes to Kess's quarters and again, doesn't know where the brakes are and has a super awkward conversation where he professes his love for her that she is not feeling.
1: Well, before even that, when he walks in, She's sitting there in the middle of this Okampa funeral ritual, right? She's got two candles burning. And I think they touch on it with some of the other crew members that, you know, at this point, given the doctor's prognosis, they need to consider Tuvok and Neelix as, you know, KIA, right? Right. So when he walks in and catches, um, catches Kes in the middle of this. Morning ritual. I mean, it's a pretty weird thing to walk into this woman who you have strong feelings, these remnant feelings, um, and seeing her essentially mourning two deaths that are your own deaths. Yet there you stand. It's a it's a it's a weird philosophical moment for Voyager.
0: I would agree. I wish, honestly, they had uh, spent a little bit more time going into that than spending it all on this Kess stuff. I felt like there was too much of the Kess stuff and not enough of everyone else reacting and getting to know Tuvix and Tuvix exploring the conundrum that is his own existence. That was the meat on the that on the bone that I wanted more than anything else. And it's just way too much of this Kess psychodrama. You're right. And I think that had they fleshed out
1: other people's mourning the death of Tuvok and Neelix and, and and how Tuvix plays into that, I think it would have punched up the end a little bit.
0: I, I think the my problems with the ending, and I do have a lot of problems, uh, come from the fact that we don't get a lot of other kind of reactions from the crew about what's going on, really.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's after that that Cass goes to Janeway, who's in, in straight-up soap opera mode in her, her uh, 1984 nightgown. Uh, that uh, w- w- civilian clothes, I'll ha- you know, here we go. Finally, Janeway's got the only civilian clothes on the ship. It's her nightgown. Her hideous ass nightgown.
1: We've Where seen they, We've, They've gotten good mileage out of that. They had uh, that nightgown for Eye of the Needle, uh, the Q episode, this one. And uh, boy, has she let her hair down.
0: Yeah, they always give her this ridiculous extra hair peace situation going whenever she's in this thing.
1: Are we to believe that she buns all that up? Or do you think she's just got like a favorite hair extension that was <laughs> part of her, like off duty rituals? like, you know, some people pour himself a drink. She clips this ridiculous Rapunzel ponytail under her head.
0: Yeah. I don't know how the physics of binding all that up would work. I'm not a girl. I, maybe there is a way to make it happen, but I, I, I struggle to understand The 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 physics that they're trying to imply with her hair like that is some fucking space time warping shit. It's more
1: space magic. Like I said, this is a very magic focused episode. It's not grounded in reality. But uh, so Kes, you know, goes to Janeway and says, hey, you know, sorry, it's late. But this Tuvix thing uh, came by my quarters again and is basically professed as love. And I don't know how to feel about it because he certainly has qualities that remind me uh, and that I like. But, you know, my boyfriend's also dead now, and so is my mentor. And, and I'm trying to process all this. And I, it's not like I can even let these people go, because here's this thing that is essentially both of them at the same time.
0: Janeway has some good dialogue in the scene. You know, she goes through the whole mourning process of, what the crew has to go through with understanding that there are some things that they may never see again. She makes it personal talking about her fiance, Mark, and it's, it's good. Kate Mulgrew shines when she isn't having to be super technical. You know, when she gets into this interpersonal stuff that really could be not actually taking
1: place in space. She shows a lot of weakness here. And I like it because she does say sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm super optimistic, and I believe we're going to do this, and I see a path home, and I see opportunities, and sometimes, you know, the reality sets in that, and I don't think she says this exactly, but, you know, I am going to be the first of probably many captains that this ship will see if it, you know, as it tries to get home, if it ever does get home, and it's a sobering thing, and uh, I have to guard all of that from the crew.
0: I completely agree with your assessment. That is what she implies, maybe not those exact words, but Mm -hmm. she relates her very human experience of ups and downs of days where she is certain they can do this and days where she confronts the reality that she's never going to see her loved ones again. And she could very well just die out there and has damned everyone on the ship to die out there. And or at, at best case, they get back and they're going to be ancient and there won't be anything of their old lives left. Yeah,
1: if only there was a sweet cyber VR thing that could preserve their bodies and let their minds wander free that they had explored. No, but unfortunately, <laughs> Juggalotech is forbidden <laughs> on in the Federation. They're not ready for the clown, man. They're no. not ready for the clown um, here in the 24th century. I really liked in this scene how they put kes and neelix into perspective of the rest of the crew to kes and neelix they're just along on a grand voyage to go out and see some new stuff and you know be the furthest explorers from the delta quadrant since chakotay's wind talker alien astronaut
0: <laughs> forefathers right. from
1: jersey from jersey going off to genetically metal on earth but you know they're, they're just out there for an adventure everybody on voyager is the victim of a cruel disaster that killed many of their friends and you know has condemned them all to a death far away from anybody they love. neelix and Kess are there voluntarily everybody else has been victimized into being there and this is the first time as you know uh janeway tells her that you're seeing things from our eyes this isn't a grand old tour this is this is shitty and we are you know, congratulations, welcome to real loss.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how she she puts it. I mean, not quite as blunt, but almost.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a good scene. It definitely conveys the finality that the characters are failing, uh, feeling that, you know, Tuvok and Neelix are gone. And they cut to a, a montage where two weeks pass and Tuvix integrates himself into the, the dual roles that Neelix and Tuvok used to play, and effectively, Janeway relates in a captain's log. He's a better tactical officer than Tuvok because he'll follow hunches and and kind of be more emotion, you know, tactically emotional in his decision making than robotic. Uh, he's a better cook than Neelix because he knows how to moderate spices and figures out what people actually want. He's still a good advisor. You know, he's made friends and, you know, Tuvix has turned out to be, in fact, a, an ad, you know, a positive addition to the crew. They they really try and, and set up, you know, as as quickly as they can, given the amount of time they have left to work with that, you know, he's settling in a routine and everyone's kind of accepting the the way things are and that this guy's here now and he's actually pretty cool. And a
1: two week stint on Voyager without any like major shit going wrong. Tuvix picked the right two weeks to visit Voyager. This is this is prime ship time. No one's getting caught in plasma fires or organs harvested or anything like. He's yeah, getting- Seska
0: hasn't rolled by, although that might be in Seska's favor, because now that Tuvik uh, Tuvok is gone and Tuvix is in charge, her normal shenanigans around security might not work. And, you know, she get caught and. Uh-huh. you know she'd be like who the fuck is this wow this is my new arch nemesis yes yeah.
1: be... i used to run hot game on tuvok all the time but now this Catman has merged with him I, I can't get a leg up somewhere in this scene i think we get treated to what round three or round four of uh the harry kim clarinet performance
0: yeah we do uh he's playing on the clarinet when uh when the doc calls up and has kind of a theory about a, a way to potentially uh, isolate the patterns within Tuvix to be able to beam them uh, apart. And so he's jamming on the clarinet before he gets the uh, buzz from the doctor who, uh, who wanted to run some ideas by him. And then, of course, Harry the Nerd gets super excited and runs down to Sick Bay to give the doc a hand.
1: I looked it up, by the way. Uh, Garrett Wang cannot play clarinet. You're right. He was just uh, clarinet finger-sinking or whatever you want to call it to look like he was. So
0: Yeah, I've, I figured out it wasn't <laughs> that we discussed it on the podcast. It's that Jess, our superfan from Amish country... Mm.
1: Is that where they send their children off to a planet to die in a space? I'm sorry, their grandparents off to die in space in
0: <laughs> buttholes? And they, they, they age backwards, yeah. yeah. We, we cut back to the doctor calling everyone down. Well, hold on. I,
1: there was a, a scene on the holodeck that I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's right. Yeah.
1: Tom's whorehouse and, uh, two kicking Chakotay's ass, or maybe it was Paris's ass in pool. And I thought it was pretty neat because you haven't really seen Paris and Chakotay in close proximity to each other since, um, Tom's, sprung the trap on Seska and we found out that all the hostility between them was basically an engineered thing. So I thought it was cool that they're kind of mending bridges there, presumably.
0: Yeah, presumably it, it makes sense. Like now that Tom's deception, you know, deep cover operative shit is over that like you might, you know, like, all right, man, let's go shoot some pool and hug it out. Like, you know, we're on entourage or something. Yeah.
1: But, uh, there's two Vox, or I'm sorry, tuvix running some game on him. Kes actually ends up swinging by and she wants to go have a little chat and it goes well for Tuvix. And I think she starts becoming receptive to building a relationship as friends first and maybe more later. Uh, and Tuvix gets a little handsy with her and and, and grabs her hands in his and says, uh, you know, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere <laughs> when comically
0: uh, it's the doctor and he calls Tuvix down to Medbay. And it's not just Tuvix, but Tuvix, Kes, and Janeway, which is important. And he reveals that between him and Harry, they've cracked the code. They've figured it out. They've basically repurposed an old 20th century medical technique, because of course, uh, that will allow them to use a low-level radiation marker to to specifically isolate uh, one of the two of them in terms of their patterns, and then that will give the medical transporter the level of specificity necessary to beam them apart at last. And here is where the episode reaches its controversial point, and in my opinion, where the episode absolutely goes off the fucking rails into crazy town, because they cut over to Tuvix, And Tuvix says, there is a problem with this. I don't want to die. Here we are. It's 11 minutes left in the episode. In my opinion, they did not give themselves enough time to explore this. And Tuvix is basically saying, that's great and all, but I'm a sentient being with my own identity and personality. And I don't want to die. So I'm not going to do this.
1: I don't know if it was their goal when they were creating this episode to make something that was going to be very controversial uh, and as philosophical and hotly debated as they did. But whatever they thought they were going to try and, you know, whatever intrigue they thought they were going to spring on the viewer in um, Death Wish. The, the Q suicide episode. Uh, here Here's all that those hopes and dreams. This I mean, this uh, from this point forward, it's like almost may as well be a mirror universe episode. The way the rest of this thing plays out in the behavior we see out of established cast and crew um, on this. Thing. Yeah, it's fucking crazy what happens after this. Uh, let's let's stop and talk about what has happened. Well, first of all, <clears throat> I think there's two big things that flaw this episode. And I don't say flaws and tragically flaw. The episode still plays out fine, but missed opportunities, let's call them that. <clears throat> One, they don't really give you a chance to let tuvik settle in and, and build real consequences here. They say that two weeks have passed, kind of do a quick montage Uh, as you mentioned there's too much kes and not enough everything else i think if i had a star trek wish for voyager it would have been that uh tuvix stuck around for two episodes maybe a a two-parter maybe i was
0: exactly thinking the exact same thing this needed to be a two-parter
1: i mean if you could have thrown him in a three episode story arc with this is the first one you know his creation is a first one and then a one off, you know, ship in a bottle episode featuring two Vicks and then the third one picking up with, hey, we found out to do this. And we say instead of two weeks, it's been like four months. Um, you're going to bring a lot more gravity. And I think ultimately maybe the episode didn't need that extra gravity just because it's it's a very easy situation to start drawing lines on its own. But I think it would have been really cool. Had they had this character stick around and, and really, really, really integrate them and make this a, a harder thing for the
0: audience to watch. This I Honestly, I I don't want to cut you off too bad. I just I've got my own yeah. shit. I just need to get off my chest. Mm-hmm. the The question that they pose through this point of the episode to the end, I think is awesome. Let me, I, my criticism is not of the premise, which is Tuvix doesn't want to die. And so what the fuck do you do? Right. I like that. My problem is that because they haven't spent any fucking time establishing how the crew is reacting to Tuvix and how Tuvix sees himself. And because they rush this, like there just isn't enough time anymore in the episode to really dive deep on this, that. Everything that happens at this point forward, I don't know if they intended for everyone to come off as monstrous as they do, but that's what happens because there's no fucking time left for anyone to do anything else. And so as what ends up playing out plays out, they all come off like these sociopathic, crazy, murderous buttholes. My complaint with the
1: episode. Is When they lay out on the table, hey, here's this cockamamie situation that has perfectly fused two people into one person. And again, he's not, you know, despite he looks like a fucking monster, he's not, you know, quivering jelly and he's not, you know, brain dead or whatever. That's one miracle in of itself. And and they've made it very explicit how hard it is to fix this thing. So when they roll out and say, hey, yeah, by the way, we've been able to do this to flowers. And we think, yeah, we can we can split one person into what should be <laughs> two people and some leftover flowers. At no point does anybody question, like, how sure are you? This will be the first time you're trying this technique, this radical technique on a person. It would seem to me, you know, sitting here watching the show that you have a huge opportunity to botch this thing and where you are lucky, we're yeah, you had two crew members more or less die. <laughs> you got this consolation prize of two Vicks, right? You're going to roll the dice on this wild proposition, assuming you're going to, you know, pull out a one in a, a billion um, odds medical procedure and and not end up with two brain dead lumps of flesh.
0: You're in not a single word is spoken to suggest a moment of hesitance on that basis at all. It's a done deal that we know 100% we can do it, just
1: they rush it through. Like, as Tuvix later goes on to plead his case, it's hey, I'm my own person. I'm alive. I'm here. I want to live. And also, by the way, this is a radical thing that, in all probability, is just going to kill me and give you two deformed flesh piles. Uh, for for all the effort of what is essentially let's be clear about
0: this murder yeah i mean this needed to be a two-part episode at the very minimum maybe a three-part arc just like you said because they give themselves no time to go down these roads like if they're gonna entertain such a big philosophical question like this and they only give themselves 11 fucking minutes to go through it and so what happens is from Janeway goes from zero to 60 on let's fucking murder this guy. And it is so weird because the very first conversation that they have is Tuvix saying, I don't want to die. And that's really it. And that's not your choice to her saying, actually it is. I'm going to execute you if I want to, to get my two people back.
1: There's a powerful line in there when they're discussing. And she says, uh, When did Tuvix, what is the line? She's like, when did this become a person and not a transporter accident? And it's like, whoa, (gasps) is this Starfleet talking? Like, yeah, he go, go, go back to next generation in the opening space. The final frontier voyages. Our mission is to seek out new life Boom. Right there. You have had a bona fide Federation new, new life event that you have found. People put on that Starfleet uniform. They use the death trap technology that often tries to kill them, like holodecks and transporters. And occasionally it does kill them. Geological survey teams get lost. Look at Ensign Bennett. You know, they went down in a shuttlecraft and his back got broken and he died. Tuvox and Neelix for all intents and purposes, died on an away team mission, and that's what Starfleet does. Beams down onto a planet, and it doesn't beam back in one piece. And in the process of this craziness, you have a new life. You have a new civilization. Well, not a civilization, but you've got a new life. You're you're doing the Starfleet thing. And for all the hand-wringing and deep philosophical discussion and all that other shit that we see come out of Janeway nonstop, There is not a single
0: drop of that that touches her tongue here. Not one. Not even for a second. And that's what's – honestly the writing falls the fuck apart. It has this great idea and then just does the most batshit stupid thing with it. Not only does Janeway come off as just a a murder – a villainous murderer. Coward. Uh, There isn't a single word of objection breathed by a single one of these 24th century enlightened alpha quadrant residing humans from the Federation, not Tom, not Chakotay, not Ensign Kim, not not smoldering catcher guy, not a fucking single one of these guys says, Hey, maybe we shouldn't fucking murder this guy. Maybe that's bad. Captain Janeway. I didn't sign up to murder people. None of them say anything. That's what really blows my mind. Like Janeway being dedicated to it is one thing. If they're going to have someone say, yeah, that's bad. Let's not do this. This is fucking bad. This is against everything that we believe in. We do not terminate life. Think about everything that Picard does through all of TNG to never hurt anyone. To the point of endangering the lives of everyone on the Enterprise if it means that they don't have to fight, right? Think about Think Chakotay
1: about- who just two episodes ago endangered, you know, uh, B'Elanna and Harry by jamming people into to Juggalo VR because three space miners they never met before might not be happy in their virtual pleasure palace.
0: Think about the whole premise of Voyager, they're stranded in the Delta Quadrant because Janeway felt all this compassion for the Ocampa and decided to strand her own crew in order to save them. The Federation and the human beings in the Federation are supposed to be exceptionally empathetic and exceptionally self-sacrificing. They're ready to destroy their ship to help the planet that Balana's stupid missile is going to blow up. These people lay their lives down for others all the time. They do not want to hurt people. And you mean to tell me that is not only is Janeway willing to ass- assassinate this guy who does not want to fucking die, but nobody. Nobody else says a fucking word about it. And the only one who says anything that's an objection is the doctor because he's programmed not to hurt someone. What the actual shitting fuck is this? This is batshit fucking loco. This is insane. This is crazy
1: town. Absolutely. Yeah. And to, to, to fill in any of the dots we may have missed along the way here. Um. Tuvok says, I'm sorry, Tuvik says, I don't want to die. And uh, Janeway says, well, I'm going to have to think about it. Tuvix tries to go about his life on the ship. And instantly he is like persada Nagrata, right? He shows up for a shift. He goes to relieve the tactical guy. Tactical, nobody won't leave. They have to look at uh, Chakotay. And Chakotay is like, well, you know, until the captain makes up her mind, which is essentially just dead man walking like, yeah, you know, let, let the guy be there. And then Tuvix is like, "Hey, uh, Paris, I want to run a you know sensor diagnostic. Can you drop us out of warp?" And then, you know, Paris, who was real warm and chummy with this guy two minutes ago, looking at Chakotay, and Chakotay's like, "Yeah, all right, play along." Like they really second class citizen this guy and, and shipbox him quick. It is, it is some real gross behavior for what you've come to see out of these guys, and especially, like you said, all the cock plots that we've been thrown so far about. Voyager going out of its way to ignore yeah, Fucking Chicote, right? Who on Space Spider Island didn't want a people to use tricorders to scan the 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 webbed up corpses because he thought maybe that might go against, you know, uh that culture's customs. And he's playing along in this whole thing, you know, just completely complicit. All it would have taken was a couple people here and there being like, hey, we don't agree with this. And how would Janeway even hammer down on those people? It's not like she'd be like, this is mutiny. If people are like, look, dude, I'm this guy's clearly a life form. I'm not all right with this. She That would have been a great new point to build a, a divisive line. They've already mended the, uh, the Maquis Starfleet rift. Now you can have like a new mixed line. Wasted yeah. opportunity there.
0: Yeah, it's everyone comes off as completely okay and complicit in this murder except for the doctor the doctor's the only one who says i can't do this because i'm a physician i am yeah i can do no harm this the head is going to kill episode,
1: him the head of the episode is janeway makes up her mind in her ready room she goes out on the bridge where we just saw you know chicote reluctantly Playing along with Tuvix. And she says, uh, (coughs) she walks up to Tuvix. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a bad boss have to fire somebody. And when you have a non-confrontational person having to do something like tell someone they're fired, it's a real squirrely event. The person Mm. won't look them in the eyes, they want to get them away from uh from public, they don't want to be judged. They it's a it's a very clear look of guilt. And self doubt and and no confidence, and it's Janeway's portrayal here all the way. She says, uh, "Hey, Tuvix, uh, I, I want to talk to you over here." And he's like, "Well, I assume that means you've reached a conclusion." And Tuvix is like, "You know, let's let's hear it. Let's everybody hear because <laughs> Tuvix apparently is the same as you and me, thinking that hey, Federation ain't down with this kind of stuff, and says, um, "Let's let's everybody hear what your decision is and how you want to kill." Uh kill ascension life form. And she kind of her balls shrinking. I I don't want to do this here. You will come with me now. And he's like, no, you know, go ahead and fucking say it. And uh, that's where he starts specifically calling people out. And all the arguments we've been making, with the exception of the we don't even know if this is gonna work, which I think would have been the most powerful card to play, but he starts calling out to people saying what all the the track viewers know and that is this is wrong this is murder does nobody here have an objection to this and they just go around the bridge and it's not like people are sheepishly looking away like there's guilt there's like there is villainous resolve in people's eyes
0: it's bizarre it's absolutely bizarre everyone is a hundred percent down with this
1: show me one there's... controversial decision in star trek history we had full agreement on everybody on the bridge crew as to what to do. there's always like someone like no we shouldn't use the deflector dish against the the borg or maybe we shouldn't rescue uh picard I- i've never seen a uniform uh a unified front on a on a moral dilemma like
0: this especially when he's right they are going to murder him and let us remember there's an actual murderer sitting in the brig of the ship right now. And Janeway categorically denied the concept of engaging in capital punishment against Lon Suter. Categorically killed- denied it. That man killed someone and chopped his body up and threw it into like a plasma injector.
1: Yep.
0: Cold-blooded. Now... He's fine. He could just chill downstairs. We'll give him three squares and a, a cot to sleep in. He'll be fine and he'll stay there. But this guy has the temerity to live when we could have back our old friends. So fuck him. Let's take him down to the doctor's death chamber and beam him into oblivion.
1: I also like how Tuvix points out to and he says, you know, I know there are people in the crew who would fault me and think me a coward for not wanting to die. And I know that, uh, you know, that's going to cause problems. And and I can live with it. I thought that was neat to see in a Star Trek character, not this blind willingness to self-sacrifice. And Janeway's like, well, I know that Neelix and Tuvok would have both willfully died to save another person's life. And Tuvok should have been like, Well, here's their opportunity. They did die. I'm not asking you to kill them. I'm just saying, don't kill me on the off chance you might be able to bring them back from the dead. Potentially, you know, brain dead vegetables
0: and and you're absolutely right like they died so that i might live it was an accident but we're here and if that by that very logic she could he could have just turned around and said yeah they both would die to save someone else's life and presently they're gonna stay dead to save my life isn't that exactly what you're saying they would do Mm -hmm. i mean that's the very logic that she's implying their souls have once again been released uh, Tuvix is,
1: Tuvok is tired of being soulless. He has lost his ghost collection. Q's not here to save him. And uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, based on his memories, he's okay with this. We're going to leave him alone.
0: Yeah, like, who knows them better than me? I did, like, uh,
1: you know? early in the episode, um, Kes's objection to having a relationship with him. And she's like, for starters, what about uh, Tuvok's wife, who he loves? Like, this isn't just... You don't have just Neelix to indulge here. And I did like Tuvix coming back and saying like, well, you're right. But to be fair, uh, by all likelihood, you're probably going to be dead the next four years. And we're like in this for a 70 year drive. So not a not an issue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very real talk.
1: It was cruel, too, because uh, after Janeway starts making the noise initially, like they're going to go through with this procedure anyways, Tuvok goes to Kess, who is very easily the most bleeding heart liberal person on this ship, right? Mrs. Feelings. And he's like, I'm scared. We're friends. You know, please help me. You got to talk to Janeway and try and cut me some slack. And she does go to Janeway and she fucking throws his ass right under the bus, man. It is an A to Z from the first, from the captain down to the loneliest ensign. Everybody, they might as well. It might as well been like fucking Klingon high command, right? These dudes Xing their, their arms over their shoulders and then turning, to you know, show this guy the back in a circle. You know, like when they get shamed. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, the discommendation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that's basically what everybody does to this guy, and it is it is pathetic.
0: Yeah, it's not even as active as that. Like the discommendation was like actively like taking ownership of shunning someone. They all just did it in the most passive aggressive shitty way possible. They did it like a bunch of Caddy Romulan high school students. And yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: That's it. It's like, this is some mean girl shit that goes on.
0: It says, <laughs> this is some mean girl shit. And it's, it made me so angry. Like the, the writers just absolutely shit themselves. Now with doing it this way, I do not understand. It just Tuf- is bizarre. Tuvek sees the writing on the wall. And I really expected
1: when she's like, cause once he starts challenging or calling her out in public, like, you know, sh- And and, and once, you know, nobody comes to his support, Janeway's balls start getting a little bit bigger and she's like, this is going to happen. And she calls security up to grab him. I had assumed that when um, Tuvix asked for him to take the ship out of warp so he can run this lateral sensor scan that he was going to build in like some sort of like Seska-ish emergency emergency, uh, teleportation escape thing. But it's much more basic than that. Uh, Tuvix tries to just run away through the Jeff or the the turbo lift and security grabs him and it's this weird I don't know this weird monologue about how he knows that why people are doing this he knows it's wrong he's kind of like chastising him but at the end he ends up forgiving everybody but saying you're gonna have to live with this
0: yeah I mean kind of lets him off the hook emotionally a little bit which I don't quite understand but he does. And, you know, goes is is marched down into the sick bay. As I've mentioned, the doctor refuses to actually execute him and makes Janeway do it. Janeway sits him down in the bio bed, injects him with the the marker that will allow the transport and ultimately pulls the execution switch and transports Tuvix out of existence And in reforming on the bio bed are Neelix and Tuvok, perfectly healthy.
1: Both wearing Starfleet
0: uniforms. Correct. So they basically duplicated the the matter of the uniform so that one of them doesn't beam in naked, which I appreciate. Yeah. I don't need to see any naked space cat. I saw enough of that on the fucking support
1: group. Yeah. Big crime of the episode is... uh... Tuvok and Neelix just look at her and like captain and smash cut to the outside of the ship and then roll credits like what the fuck what just happened there does Tuvok and Neelix retain any knowledge of what just happened uh is the crew emotionally grief-stricken that you know after the fact this guy has been dragged off to die are people like wait what the fuck did I just sit there and condone yeah there's no closure on this at all There's no questions answered, and they just move right along. Uh, Homeostasis has been reached. Uh, Everything's the same it was when it began. Roll credits and we're out of here.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's a quick sad face from Janeway. She made a tough call. And then that's it. Fucking clown shoes. Garbage. 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 Fucking hate. I hate. I hate the last 11 minutes of this episode. I had no idea I was going to have this strong a reaction to it, but I hadn't seen it in so long, but fuck, holy goddamn shit. It was awful. I wouldn't say I hated the ending
1: because I'm willing to take what I saw and establish that as new canon. And that when we watch the rest of the stuff, uh, you know, the, the rest of these episodes and seasons that we are dealing with a crew that was confronted with a moral choice like this. And, did not hesitate and did not break rank and condemned a guy to death to try and rescue, you know, two Federation life form, you know, two Federation crew members. I'm sorry, one Federation crew member and a, a space cat. So, you know, this is canon. This happened. And, and I will hammer every needless, you know, emotional, philosophical quandary that uh, they try to put on our plate and say, no, <laughs> we've seen. That these guys can be stone cold fucking killers.
0: I you know, I wish that the writers had had that level of intent that I could go to, on that journey with you. But I know that that it that they probably didn't. Everything every, everything else that we see in the show up to this point suggests the exact opposite, which is why this bothers me so much. It's complete abandonment of the whole ethos of the Federation, which is that's that's what it is. And everyone is complicit. It's not just Janeway everyone is complicit how was this episode supposed to be viewed do you think that's a good question uh you know difficult moral quandary I'm sure they you know try they, they intended for there to be you know this like oh tough choice here at the end of what to do like how to view tuvix and if if the choice made was right I, I just don't think that they gave serious follow-through on how they were portraying everybody, like how it would come off. Like maybe they intended for Janeway to be kind of hard nosed about it, but the fact that they just allow the rest of the crew just to, to basically be mean girls about it and go along with it. That's so weird. And it just, that tells me that from based on your experiences of the conversations, they're having at dragon con when they were reminiscing, these guys just didn't have that follow through thought about what the fuck they were doing. And they shot it. And then this is what they wound up with. It's interesting that
1: because you, you bring up the Dragon Con conversation, when I was reading the Memory Alpha on this, um the the actor Tom Wright, who played Tuvix, you know, he he had some kind of negative things to say about the production, um, that he didn't really get the support from the writers and the producers on how to portray the character that they just kinda like left him out to hang and figure out this stuff on his own and uh there was a quote in there somewhere where they specifically talk about how uh he tried to play around with the script a little bit and ad lib a little things and and change it and like the the fascist attitude on the set of you only read what's on the script and no deviation at all and that uh you know, the producers basically like openly criticize him for for trying to grow into the role too much and and change what was on the page, which was the major complaint that like. Um, everybody at the Dragon Con panel had was that there was no creativity allowed and that they were forced dealing with turkey lines because that's what the writer room produced.
0: Well, there you have it.
1: This is a we deep all one have man. It to
0: blame. I, I, oh, I, yeah.
1: Another, uh, you know, situation where I don't think it was their intent to hit the depth that they did on on an episode, you know, where they tried and failed on another one and to have a resounding success on a on an offbeat episode. So,
0: I, I mean, I'll say this. I got impassioned about it, but just probably not for the reason that they would want someone impassioned about it. Made me fucking angry.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, speaking of angry, what do we have next? Coming up next, we got
1: season two, episode 25. Resolutions. And we've got uh, everybody on the bridge crew standing around, mopey with their arms crossed, looking sheepishly at the floor, like they should have been when Tuvix was dragged off to go to the electric chair. Resolutions. Captain Janeway and Chakotay, contract an incurable virus and they'll only survive if they stay on a planet which negates the effects of the disease
0: oh no remember this it's one
1: this one? Oh god yeah we're all fucked here we got two episodes left for the season because it's this one and then i believe we're at the season finale so it's disappointing to hear that we're dipping back into crappy voyager again
0: Aren't you excited about an episode that's all about Chakotay and Janeway making making sex eye at each other?
1: I'm not excited about an episode where I know they're not going to take the top two most important people on the ship and, you know, try to say, hey, these guys aren't ever going to be around
0: anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Anyway, does, I'm going to. Does Fix ever get mentioned
1: again in Voyager?
0: No. So this is a bottle episode. Yes. No fucking way. I mean, I think there's like an oblique reference to a transporter accident at some point, but what? never actually. Like they never bring up that they murdered the fuck out of somebody on the show. No, that never happens.
1: What they couldn't like cue him in just to like, what a mean thing Q could do in a later episode. Oh.
0: That would be awesome. Q shows up and is like, "Oh, I've restored one of your crew, dead crew members, to life." It's Tuvix. He's just like he remembers getting murdered. <laughs> what if oh. Tuvix?
1: What if? What if they did a Yesterday's Enterprise and had Tuvix's grandson come back as a Romulan admiral?
0: Or, or just like that's some Vendetta ride? He's like made common cause with the Vidians. Fuck that. Get you know, well the, like Seska, I wanted to kill you in the most horrific way I could. So I found the organ thieves. Yeah, who are going to murder your children and eat them.
1: I'm going to take Tuvok and Neelix and kill them and stitch them back in together as a golem. And it will be my son.
0: <laughs> that would be great. No, they don't do that.
1: That's too bad. It's back to the Dragon Con thing again, too. Uh, someone asked who their favorite uh, guest star was. And everybody on the stage was like, yeah. Uh, Tom, from that tuvix episode, like, everybody loved that dude. <laughs> we wish he hey. would have come back. Missed opportunities. Uh, too bad. Too bad. Well, uh, I got a... Uh, I think I got an appropriate rule of acquisition here. This is one of the unknown ones, but uh, rule of acquisition. A man is only worth the sum of his possessions. And in this case, he was uh, possessing of Neelix and tuvix
0: tuvox so... Yeah. Sadly, it wasn't worth enough to avoid the uh, the Voyager gas chamber. And again, that he was cruelly thrown into by the captain, while everybody else just, you know, was like, "Yeah, yeah, go away. We don't like you."
1: All it would have taken was just, "Hey, this medical procedure is unproven, and you're going to kill me at the potential." There's an
0: actual murderer on the ship. <laughs>
1: yeah, lots of holes.
0: God damn it! Lots of holes. Till next time, this has been VJ. Please, uh, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant.
1: If uh, you had anything to say about a very controversial episode, uh, if you agreed with us, if you disagreed, maybe there's some big points to this episode we we completely missed. We'd
0: love to hear about it. Join us on the Vija Please trauma support group indeed we'd love to have you just submit a request we'll approve it you know we only keep it closed because not everyone needs to know you know we have family members <laughs> old family members who won't understand you probably do too so we respect your privacy um, we, and also at this point you're probably hearing some lovely crappy uh, recorder music that is our uh, original theme song as produced by the uh, wonderful Ian and Sarah thanks again guys we always appreciate it and until next time Peace.